This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he a strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Oh, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli podcast. This is episode number 55, double nickels, Thursday, February 16th. Sponsored by the great people at Bet Rivers. If you don't have the Bet Rivers app, I don't know what the hell you're waiting for. It's a great app. And now you have to turn the focus because March Madness is coming up. And I'm telling you, I've been hot in college basketball through my Bet Rivers app. I'm, I'm a little at a time building it up to a major, major plateau. And you should do the same thing. Okay, today, the Eagles post mortem. And we will have as our special guest, Eagle broadcaster and former Eagle great. Mike Quick will join us. We'll also do a little Mike Unleashed. We'll have three questions for Mike, and uh, this will be an entertaining show, except for the fact that it will be the postmortem and dealing with the devastation that was the loss in the Super Bowl by the Philadelphia Eagles to the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's get into it. Uh, You know, it's funny because I uh, am sensing – uh, a, a lack of disappointment in, in the Philadelphia area for this. And um, I uh, have this lingering feeling of devastation that I have to deal with here with, with the people. Uh, I think that we were so charmed by this season that we're, we're not feeling the full effect of them losing in the Super Bowl to the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's explore that. And here's why I'm devastated, because I know following sports all these years that when you climb that high of a mountain, and you get to the top, and then all of a sudden you slip and fall back down, uh, you know, the footing is not the same to get back up. And, and that's what I'm saying about this whole thing. I have this feeling of uh, dread, to be honest with you, about what happened in this Super Bowl because I don't know when or if they can get back very easily and in a timely fashion. So uh, let's explore why. Um you know, a team just doesn't lose two coordinators. Now, I, I, the, the Jonathan Gannon thing is interesting because most people go good riddance. Well, guess what? I, I don't think that's good riddance. And, and it's not because uh, I, I like him that much. Uh, I thought he forged a defense that was pretty damn effective this year, doing it with his personnel. He knew his personnel, and therefore he was, a, he was able – to just go with a four-man pass rusher most of the year, get heat on the quarterback, set a record for sacks, uh, and allow that his back line to cover. And, and that's what made the Eagles defense. I, I thought that system, uh, you know, this is a Fangio system, it worked for them. And I know in Philadelphia we we got down on John again because he wasn't as aggressive as the Buddy Ryans or the Ray Rhodeses or the Jim Johnson in, in this world. But this was a very effective defense in circa 2023 uh, in the NFL. So um, so that's a, a, a terrible loss. Now, the Shane Steichen thing, uh, I, I'm not sure about. Uh, he had uh, one year 
uh, of uh, success as an offensive coordinator. He wound up getting a job out of it. Uh, and, you know, both these guys have the look to get head coaching jobs, and we'll talk about that a little later. But my point is, when you replace two coordinators and you bring new people in there, there's a major adjustment. They don't speak the same language. They don't have the same rapport. Now, if the Eagles are going to promote within, chances are they're going to promote Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach, who was an offensive coordinator at Florida, not in the NFL. But, of course, he had a great relationship with Jalen Hurts, which always helps. So uh, I don't know how that's going to work out or whether they're going to bring in another offensive coordinator. My sense is that they will promote Brian Johnson, all right? The defensive coordinator, um, they're likely to promote Denard Wilson. And um, I don't know how that's going to work either. I, I, you know, that's a good, when, you, you, when you put these guys in an elevated position, you expect the same results. There's always attrition because the communication just isn't the same. They don't coach the same way. You don't have the same personnel that fits the way you coached the year before. Um, so that's a major point, losing two coordinators. It hasn't happened in a really long time. I think it happened in 2015, and then you have to go back to the San Francisco 49ers when they lost uh, uh, Ray Rhodes, and I forget who the offensive coordinator was. Ray got the Eagles job, if you recall. So um, uh, that's a major problem. Now let's go to the players because they're in a really bad quandary here as far as losing 10 starters. Um, I believe they'll lose six. And I believe there's going to be have to be a priority to keep certain guys. So let's just go over that uh, little by little. Uh, I believe that Miles Sanders is gone. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. Uh, he, he had some moments as a running back. But he wasn't. I don't know, he, he wasn't that uh, durable to be a star back. He had his moments, but wasn't durable. I think that you can easily move on from him because you're not going to pay him or you can't pay him the kind of money that he's probably going to get somewhere else. So they're going to ride next year. Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, and they're going to have to either draft one or sign another guy, right? Because those two guys aren't enough to fortify that backfield. They're going to need another guy. All right, so Sanders is gone. I assume that Sayamalu is going to get paid. Uh, somebody needs an offensive lineman who was on a team that went to the Super Bowl. They're going to pay him more than the Eagles can pay him. Now, this whole thing, of course, the 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 bedrock of this whole thing is what Jalen Hurts is is going to get uh, as a quarterback, and um, whether you don't have to kick it in until two thousand twenty four or not, he's going to get between forty eight and fifty two million dollars. He's not going to get as much as Burrow. Burrow's going to get fifty five. Now, think about this: he made a million five last year. Um. He's going to hike up to $50 million. Now, I know there ain't math wizards in the house. That's, uh, you know, sometimes I, we're happy with a 3% raise in our paychecks, right? Uh, he's getting a 3,500% raise from what he made last year. And so that's a big haul. But it kind of is the bedrock of what the Eagles now have money to I know the salary cap's going up. It's got going on up and up to, to, to sustain that you're going to sign all these guys. All right, so we've, we've gone over the offense. Say Malu Sanders. I don't know what's going to go, go on with Kelsey. Uh, he's still playing at a high level. He may decide, you know what? I'm smart enough to know that we're probably not going to get back to the Super Bowl next year. Why would I play another year? And so... If I were Kelsey, I'd go out on a high note. I'd go out playing at a high level. The last thing I played was on a Super Bowl. I won a Super Bowl. I played in another one. I don't know what's going to happen with him. If he's not back, they got Cam Jurgens to play center, the draft pick, and they'll have to find a right guard. And maybe they have that on the team that they, they think that they can fill in at right guard. Uh, all right, now let's go to the defense. <clears throat> the imperative resigns for me are CJ Garner Johnson at his age. He's a tremendously valuable player. You're going to have to pay him. And uh, I don't know how much Hargrave is going to get, but you need a depth defensive tackle. So I believe Hargrave ha has to stay. You've got Jordan Davis, obviously. You're probably going to have to draft another guy at that position, but you have to have the rotation because Fletcher Cox is not going to come back. Sue is not going to come back. Linvel Joseph is not going to come back. That makes Hargrave a must. That makes C.J. Gardner a must. 
Brandon Graham would probably stay if you paid him three cents. And I say that facetiously, but he he's not going to want to go anywhere else. That you can get him as a depth defensive end, and and he'll uh, he'll he'll sign for for a home down discount. I believe that. Um, so you're losing Fletcher Cox. You're going to lose Bradbury because you just can't pay him, uh, and you're going to lose Kazir White, and that's not that big of a loss. So you've got the Kobe Dean. Hopefully, he can play linebacker as a starter next year. I don't know what the story is with him. But just cross off the following. Sanders, Sayamalu, maybe Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Bradbury, Kazir White. That's six starters. You must keep C.J. Garner-Johnson and Hargrave and Brandon Graham, you know, depending on your, your loyalties, either or for me. Uh, and so now you're going to have to find all these players to fill in. So my question is, can you get back to the Super Bowl? I, I have this dread that next year is going to be a down year. It's going to be an aftermath year. You losing a Super Bowl, all this transition, you got to be a miracle worker to think that you can put all, all these new guys in, including two coordinators, and think things are going to go smoothly. So the, the important part is you have the franchise quarterback that you don't have to worry about now. He established himself as the guy, you don't have to worry about that. You probably don't have to worry about the offense as much as you have to worry about the defense. So let me ask Darren, producer. Darren, climb in here. Do you have the same feeling, lingering feeling of devastation that I have for them losing the Super Bowl, knowing the transition that has to happen? I, I will tell you, uh, I am gutted. I have been an absolute empty soul. Uh, since Sunday night, I really because uh, you and I talk about it a lot, just how hard it is to even if you've got a great team, which the Eagles had this year, it is still extremely difficult to get to stay healthy. We talked a lot about how all 22 day one starters were available and started in the Super Bowl. I, I, I don't know how you would look that up, but I'm willing to bet that that hasn't happened more than one or two other times in the history of the Super Bowl. It is extremely difficult to keep your starting roster healthy, particularly now when you've got – what will they have 35 regular season games now? Like it's ridiculous. The season's so much longer. Um, I will play devil's advocate in that, yes, I agree, the loser of the Super Bowl historically has had a, 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 you know, a lot of difficulty getting back to the Super Bowl the following year. However – and the Eagles benefited from this year. Uh, I'm not taking away from how good they were, but the NFC is in serious decline right now. The conference itself is weak. Likely you won't even have Aaron Rodgers in it next year. You're not going to have Brady in it next year for sure. So, you, you know, the NFC as a whole, like your biggest competitor is right in your division with the Cowboys. So uh, the, the, there is opportunity to get back based simply on the competition level. It's been a Achilles heel of mine uh, for the last couple of years, and, and we talked about it a lot this season. The the league itself is really down as a product, the NFC particular. Um, so that's why I think the, the Eagles can get back. The positions that they're losing are replaceable. Um, so, yes, I do think there is a chance to get back this year. Okay, that, 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 that's fair enough. Let me let me just uh, add, add this part of it. The, yeah. With two new coordinators – if it doesn't get off to a good start, the pressure in this town is immense. And uh, so when I see, uh, when fans look at it, they don't see the same product that they saw. They didn't see the well-oiled machine of sacking the quarterback, the magic thing that happens that turns people on. And all of a sudden, the new defensive coordinator gets a little heat on him. And then if the offense sputters a little bit under a new system, or under Brian Johnson, because probably a smooth transition. But that you have to account. This is a town that that heat can be put on when they don't get the same result. So I, I also put that in the equation. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Uh, but th th there are idiots like me that'll put that kind of pressure on on the team when you don't see the same. Uh, performance. So uh, I, I just caution people. And it's, this is why the coordinators are huge. And I thought Steichen came into his own this year. It will be a smoother transition because Brian Johnson has been with them, knows that system and has known Jalen Hurts since he was in high school and worked with him since he was that young. 
Uh, defensively, even though I was not a Gannon guy, I don't want to get into that discussion right now, but I think that transition will be a little bit more challenging. Okay. All right. So, uh, again, I'm not, I don't want to spell doom here. Listen, they have the foundation of a really good team because they have franchise quarterback and they have a great offense. So, uh, uh, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but I, I think people are taking the loss a little too lightly. I think we were charmed by this season. And because we were charmed, just like we were charmed by the Philly season, that we don't feel the same devastation because he lost to the Chiefs. We lost to the best quarterback in the game now. And and so it, it it doesn't feel as devastating to a lot of people, at least the people that I talk to uh, out there. So um, that's uh, the, the, the kind of the postmortem of the Philadelphia Eagles season. It's the Mike Yusinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for a special guest on the Mike Masnelli podcast today, the man that you hear on the Eagles broadcast uh, on on radio and, of course, an all-time, all-timer with the Philadelphia Eagles, the great Mike Quick joins us. Hello, Mike. How are you, Michael? I'm, I'm doing good. Now, uh, you know, this is kind of a wrap-up week. Um, yeah. You know, we're all coming down from uh, what we saw in, in a season that was a great season that kind of turned, uh, you know, a, a little bit with a bitter taste. So uh, as you're broadcasting the game, and obviously you were, you were in Arizona for quite a few days, um, give me your perception as a broadcaster, as an ex-player on the, uh, the the transfer from one half to the next. The <laughs> first half, everybody's going, well, this is going to be easy. And then all of a sudden it turned. What was going through your head as you watched this? Well, you know, at the half, I was just thinking, well, if they could hold on for just 30 minutes more and play the way they played this first half, then we're good. We're in good shape. Um, But as things would have it, the second half was completely different. And that Andy Reid and his guys, I thought, did a great job of making adjustments on both sides of the ball. Um, And the Eagles, not so much. You know, a lot of times you have to make these in-game adjustments that they just did not make. And uh, you can feel it. You know, when I, when we're doing games, and I know that people can hear it in our voices when we're talking about the games, when, the thing, when things are going well for the Eagles, you can feel that excitement, especially with Merrill, it's coming through. Um, but then when the tide starts to turn, I think everyone can also feel that because it, it comes out in the way we're talking about the games. And and certainly when you got into the fourth quarter, um, you could feel the momentum had shifted to their side. And that whole, that sinking feeling that sometimes comes over you started to occur. Uh, okay. So like I'm, I'm watching it, obviously watching the game and I'm uh, getting prepared to do a post game show as well. And uh, I, when Mahomes goes out and I think he, he's done, you know, finally the wear and tear on that ankle, trying to play through it. Finally, had hit the wall and and he was done and they were dominating the game and I got to be honest with you I I was shocked that he came back in, in the second half and I I guess you weren't as the next player because you know these guys are gonna you know try to do everything they can to play in the game. No, you got such adrenaline going at this point that you know it, it's funny how much energy and how much adrenaline is pumping through you when you're in game and I. You know, I saw him get twisted. I remember when TJ made the tackle and it was obvious that he twisted some on that ankle when he when he had him on the ground. But I know if the kid can stand on both feet, he's going to play. I've seen him playing on one leg. I saw Donovan do it for almost an entire half with a broken leg. And you just have that adrenaline rush. That kid may have end up getting surgery this week or next week on that ankle. But at that time, you're going to do whatever you can do to stay in the game. That's just the way we're built. When you do this for as long as these guys have done it, you just are built that way. All right, let's look at how they, they uh, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts gave him a touchdown. And, and when you do that, you know, sometimes you can't overcome a mistake like that. But but the Eagles had had really found a way to move the football uh, against them in the first half. Um, and, and But they didn't really go to the running game. They didn't commit to the running game. When you're, you're watching the way they're playing offense, what are you thinking? Uh, in the second half, I just thought that they never really got into a real good rhythm. And you're right. They went away from miles running the ball. 
because quite honestly, Miles didn't press the hole well enough in the first half. He bounced too many plays trying to run, trying to outrun people to the outside. So we saw a little more Kenny Gainwell. We saw a little more Boston Scott and not so much Miles. But you're right. There wasn't that commitment to running the ball and the way they had in the first half. And and I thought that hurt. I thought that hurt them because this is a team. And, and if you look at the playoff wins, they've been able to dominate in the run game. They've been able to dominate because of this big physical offensive line. And that helped to get them to the Super Bowl appearance. So in the second half, I I, I thought it was uh, you know, I I you know I don't know what this mindset is that you always have to defer, but Kansas City did, and, and they wound up getting the ball to start the second half, and they commit to the run, yeah, which uh, I think helped the quarterback, and it was a shift, and I and it didn't look like the Eagles were that prepared for it. Yeah, that's right. That was the problem. So when they came out, Kansas City, and they just started to run it down the Eagles' throat. Um, that was the issue. And that kid from Vineland, New Jersey, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco. Once Pacheco started to get into rhythm, the, the kid is such a hammer in the way he runs the ball. Once they started to get into that rhythm, it was like, oh my goodness, because if they can run the ball this way, it's going to be really tough to try and defend these guys when he, whenever he decides he wants to pass the ball. It, that was the problem when when they when they started to impose their will in the run game in the second half i knew that there was a problem and here was another problem um they didn't get any pressure on the quarterback in fact the defensive tackles really didn't make many tackles in the game and, and i was uh you know listen reddick was being handled whether it was the turf or, or whatever he was being handled and I was like you were talking about in-game adjustments An in-game adjustment there would have been to find a different way to get to the quarterback, stun them, blitz, whatever they needed to do to change the tempo of them not getting to the quarterback. You you were witnessing that as well, I assume. Yeah. um, The offensive line for Kansas City just played a heck of a lot better than I expected because I just thought that Josh Sweat, so Wiley, the guy on the right side, their offensive tackle on the right side, and then Brown on the left side, both these guys over the course of the season have been a little bit susceptible to speed. And I thought because of that, Hassan Riddick, I thought going into the game, could could possibly be an MVP defensive player because of what I thought he could do in that game. And I thought on the other side, Sweat can definitely beat this guy from time to time. Uh, so I thought that they would get to the quarterback. I didn't think that this was going to be a day when Mahomes could just stand back there and throw the ball, pick his targets, and have time to pass the ball the way he did. But they got no pressure. Well, I think they pressured him maybe six times throughout the course of the game. They didn't really get any hits on him unless he was running. Um and that's a problem. That's a problem against that offense because there are too many weapons. Mike, let's look at where they are now because, uh, you know, as you know, it's not very easy to get to a Super Bowl. And, and once you get the opportunity, it may never – It's not very easy. Yeah. Right. It's hard as hell to get to a Super Bowl. Yeah. It's very difficult to get to where they to, – to get into that position where they were on Sunday, it's so hard to get there. They may never – the guys on that roster may never, ever get there again. It's one of the most difficult things in sports, in my mind. It definitely is. And, and so that means there's no no guarantee to, to getting back. And so when you look at the people look at this Eagles team, they go, oh, well, they really built something. But now look at the attrition that, that is going on. Yes. So they, yep. they lose two coordinators, which is highly unusual, and they're going to lose about six starters. So, you know, w- w- with your experience in the game, how difficult is it going to be? You know, I almost see a, a letdown year for, from this because they have to do so many things to get back to that level. How do you see it? That could very well be. And many times the teams that go to the Super Bowl and lose, it's really tough. You rarely see them get back to the Super Bowl. And, yes, the attrition factor with this team, it's it's huge. You said, how many did you say, nine players, six players? 
they're going to lose six uh, I, in more. my estimation. I, I Mike is going to be more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, st- six starters. So I, I think they're they're losing Sanders, Sayamalu. I don't know what Kelsey's going to do, but definitely Fletcher Cox, Bradbury, Kazir White. Those guys are not going to be back next year. I don't think. You're right. I think everyone that you mentioned will not be a part of this roster, and there could be even more. I don't know if Brandon Graham's going to be on this roster next year. There could be. There, there certainly could be more. But you start with, like you said, both coordinators are gone. Well, both of those coordinators, they're going to take some of the assistant coaches with them. So you're going to lose some of that continuity with these assistant coaches as well. You've got to bring in new guys that now have to spend a year learning these players so that they know the player, so that they know when they can utilize them in certain situations. That doesn't come overnight, and it really doesn't come during the course of a training camp anymore because training camps are just not what they used to be. It's going to take these these new coaches, especially the position coaches that are going to have to come in, a long time to understand what they can get out of these players in different situations. And that, to me, takes a long time to understand the player. So, yeah, this team, with all that they're going to lose on the coaching staff as well as the players, it's going to take some getting used to to get back to where you can effectively use each of these players to the best of their abilities. And that's why this loss is so devastating. I don't know if Eagle fans feel feel the devastation. I think I think they were charmed by this year, and they don't feel the devastation that we usually feel here. But that, that's why they had a golden opportunity. Correct. And they let it slide, and you never know when that opportunity is going to uh, come back again. Um, we're talking to the great Mike Quick. So, Mike, let's just talk about the coordinators here because I'm I'm kind of surprised that Shane Steichen gets a head coaching job out of this with with one year really uh, uh, as a, of accomplishment as a, uh, an offensive coordinator. And Gannon's been a name that's been talked around the league for a while. It's interesting that he gets a job after like probably his worst performance of the year in, in the second half. What was your opinion on both these guys getting head coaching jobs? I kind of saw it coming, quite honestly, because over the past couple of years, Jonathan Gannon's name has been floated out there, uh, be it by agents or, or what have you. He's had conversations with other teams, so I expected that Jonathan Gannon would get a, a new head coaching job. Over the past maybe half to the back quarter of the season, there's been a lot of talk about Shane Steichen. And what I've recognized, realized over the years is that owners are always looking for the hot next thing. And because Shane Steichen has been running this offense, because this is one of the offenses that everyone's looking at around the league as, wow, they've got some secret sauce to that offense. And Shane Steichen has been the play caller in that offense. Um, all these owners are looking for the new hot thing. And so Shane Steichen, although... It, I think he did a great job as a play caller this year. Uh, certainly could have done a better job in the Super Bowl. But I think Shane Steichen has been really solid as a play caller. I don't think he's a very good communicator and certainly not. I think when he goes in front of the room in Indy, the guys, especially the veteran guys, they're going to be scratching their head and wondering, what the heck? Who, who is this guy? What have we gotten ourselves into? Very similar to like when Nick Sirianni came to Philadelphia. The veterans were thinking like, who is this guy? What what have we gotten ourselves into? But he is the new hot thing in the league, and that's, that's what owners are looking for. I, I think owners are also looking for the, the Hallmark card white guy. Uh, like, no, I said that, not you, but they, they, they all have to and look like And that's a good Kevin. point. Yeah, they all have to look like Kevin O'Connell, you know, like that, that kind of type. It's who they seem That's, to gravitate yeah, towards. That is a good point because there are qualified guys out here that are non-white that have been passed over and opportunities that really, you know, Eric Bieniemy. why is not Eric Bieniemy um, getting a head coaching job? Why, you know, I don't understand. Well, I do understand. But he's been passed over way too many times. And Eric Bieniemy should at least have gotten a, gotten that conversation, but he doesn't even get the conversation. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's no question. That's what I, the dichotomy between like, you know, Steichen has one year of success. He gets a head coaching job. The enemy's been there. The team's been to Super Bowl three times. It, it's very strange the way, but we we all know what it is. It's rich white men making hires. So that that's the way it works out. And it's got to. You know, I, I'm I'm glad that you can be very frank about it because yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, wealthy white owners making the decisions, and they're more comfortable with. Guys that look like Shane Steichen than they are with the guy who looks like Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's look now at the overhaul of the season and and what you saw. Uh, obviously, the, the the glaring thing that comes through is that Jalen Hurts turned into a quarterback in this league, and he's about to make fifty million dollars. Which I, I try to calculate this a thirty five hundred percent raise. From his one point five million dollars, <laughs> which is unbelievable. But um, did you see this? So the ascension, as quickly as it happened, I cannot say that I saw it. But what I did see is, and in, in year one, what I saw was how guys, veteran guys, all throughout the locker room gravitated to this young man. And I was amazed at that. And 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 now in year three, you can see he has complete control of the locker room. And it's just because of who he is. And the football part, that's that's really important that he can play the game. But the fact that all of these guys, you'll listen, you can hear Jalen in a press conference, and then the next day you'll hear guys saying the same thing that he said because of how much they respect Jalen and the way he goes about his business. I mean, veteran guys, guys who've been in the league 10, 11, 12 years, repeating what Jalen says, and he's just a young pup that's 24 years old. That, to me, says a whole lot. I was over at practice one day, his rookie season, late in the year, and um, all the different groups after practice, they break down together. The linebackers are together, the wide receivers are together, the old linemen are together. So they break down in their individual groups. Well, after the quarterbacks would break down, Jalen went over into the wide receivers group and then kind of in their huddle, and he broke down with the wide receivers. And and it's just it's just something that you don't see. But watching that dude operate just little subtle things in year one, you could see that, yeah, this guy gets it. When, when a quarterback um, becomes really friendly with the O-line, with even guys on the defensive side, units on the defensive side, um, yeah, you got a guy who can control your, your not just his position, but he can control your locker room. And that's what they have in Jalen and, and a lot of these veteran guys. He's the most serious young guy I, I've ever seen. I, like, I, yeah. you, know, you played a lot of years in the NFL. You've been around the NFL for a lot of years. Have you ever seen anybody as stoic as this guy? Not only that, he is he is stoic, but he's so thoughtful. You know, I'm listening to him at all these interviews at the Super Bowl, pregame, postgame, and you know some of the answers that he comes up with. I'm thinking. Who is this dude? <laughs> he's, he, I mean, he's, he's, he's like one of these old wise guys that just has all the right answers. And it, it's really impressive. All right, so that's the most important part to have a quarter franchise quarterback, right? So at least they Absolutely. have they have that covered and and their offense is still covered, you know, pretty well. That's pretty pretty intact except for the for the Miles Sanders defection and, and they'll probably draft somebody there. Mike, um, but if you Mike, but yeah. if you go back if you go back to when they drafted him, you're you're thinking, why are they spending a second round draft pick on a backup quarterback when you have Carson Wentz? Yeah, I, I didn't understand it either. In, in fact, yeah. I I ripped it mer- mercifully because I thought they could have made. Of course, the- you did. Yeah, they could have made the trade for <laughs> CD Lamb with that pick, and that's what I wanted to do. And I don't listen. I don't know if they had any idea. I this the whole thing was so confusing. They committed to one guy, they draft him. They say it's because they didn't want to get caught with a backup who couldn't play, and if the other guy got hurt. And now the the script is flipped. Well, we knew it all along. Now, I 
I don't know what the reason was, but I guess I guess it really doesn't matter because they discovered they discovered a nugget of gold in, in, a, in a pile of, of dirt, basically. Well, I'll tell you this. He had no clue how to deal with the entire locker room. And that that was an issue that I'm sure they saw and they saw early on. Okay, he so had Carson his, Wentz. Yeah, Carson. Yeah, he had his clique of players, his his group that he hung out with, and that was just a small group. But he could not relate, could not assimilate himself with the entire locker room, and that's that's an issue. But they had given him the big cash. Before, yes, you know? yes. <laughs> the whole thing's confusing, and it doesn't really matter now. So, so uh, let's let's look at what they have to do here. Now they've got a couple of first round draft picks, and one is ten. Uh, and I assume they'll follow the same script and go cornerback, defensive line to 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 four. That's what they do, huh? <laughs> right. Well, I I do believe that they have to go defense this year. Then they they definitely need a cornerback. The, the defensive line is old. Um, they had some guys for hire this season in Limbaugh, Joseph, and Damakon Sue. These are just one-year hires. And see, and I thought Howie did a masterful job of constructing this roster. You know, that's what they needed, a Sue in the middle, a Linval Joseph in the middle. Um, they needed the, the cornerback, Bradbury. They needed certain things, so... You know, Howie did a nice job, I thought. And, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, uh, I just thought he was a great pickup. So they did all the things I felt that they needed to do to make a run. Made a run, got there, didn't get it. But, yeah, you back up a whole lot because you're going to be without a lot of players. So uh, we, do we have to tell the fans to be braced for a year where they might not win the division? When you look at the landscape of the NFC East, you, I, I hate to say it, but you know the team that's going to be the favorite and the better team in the NFC East. It, it's Dallas. They're going to be, yeah, Dallas is going to be a good football team next year. And we have to know that going in. I don't know how you replenish all the positions that the Eagles are going to need to replenish this offseason. But with that 10th pick, pick, I think they have to look on the defensive side. The defensive line, they are old, they are worn, and you have to get young, fresh legs there. You can't play this game, especially in the trenches, without young, fresh legs. Yeah, I think I've been saying this for a while, and my producer Darren doesn't agree with it, but I think their pick is going to be the kid from Penn State at pick 10. Joey Porter Jr. Really? Yep. I think that's the guy they're going to take, but we'll, we'll see. That's just There's my, a whole my, lot uh, of time between now and then. That, yeah, there yeah. is. There, there is. Uh, I know a lot of people want to know what it's like to be broadcasting uh, a, a radio broadcast with a, uh, an old Wiley veteran like Merrill Reese. We had him on uh, uh, last week. Um, what, what is uh, w- w- your, your position when you're broadcasting with him? What's your strategy? Strategy is I don't have. Is there a strategy to this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Like, wh- when do you know how to like to let him go and 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 get in there? Like, you guys obviously have a comfort level by now, but I, I'm just curious how you perceive a broadcast when you're doing it with him. I just get out of the way, <laughs> Mike. He's he, listen. It's Batman and Robin. He's Batman and I'm Robin. So Robin usually just gets out of the way and let Batman do his thing, and then then I just jump in every now and then to give him a little bit. No, man, listen, this has been a, this has been like a real honor for me to have this opportunity to do what I do. I think Merrill Reese is one of the best to ever call games in the National Football League. And I've been in the seat with him now 24 years. And I, you know, I deem it an honor and a privilege to be able to do what I do. I love the game. I love being around the game, and now I'm paid to talk about the game with the dean of the position in the National Football League. And, hey, man, I'm living a dream, Mike. I am. <laughs> so, so you know, there's a lot of prep that goes into what we do. Uh, but now you're right. We have a rhythm and a cadence now, and I understand 
when he's finished and I can jump in, but sometimes I can't wait. And then sometimes I'll just jump in and cut him off. <laughs> but, but, but for the most part, you know, I know the cadence, I know the rhythm and, uh, you know, we, uh, we are in simpatico. <laughs> nice word. I, 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 I curious though you're at, cause he gets perturbed a lot. Like he, he, uh, he sees something that on the field that we all see and, uh, as unlike most broadcasters, he'll get perturbed. And, and yeah. I, I know you noticed that. I, I wonder if, if, like, you're not on camera. I wonder if you, like, snicker. You come, oh, all the time. Dance. Dude, all the time. Because <laughs> he's... And then sometimes he's right, and sometimes he's completely wrong. And so, <laughs> and so, and so I just have to laugh about it and keep it moving. <laughs> Mike, listen, man, thank you uh, so much. Now you got the off season to play golf like every single day, which I know you do. <laughs> so, yes, sir. Yeah, I played yesterday in sixty five degree weather, so that was that was a bonus day, February. So, uh, but hey, what, man, what are you now? We, like you plus two? What are you? When, when we get these bonus days, when it's uh, above fifty five degrees, yeah, I'm going to play golf. But you know, I got some other things that I do, but they're not things that I have to be there every day. So. Yeah, I, I I spend some time playing golf, spend some time with my grandkids, and life is beautiful. Awesome. I'm waiting for, waiting for to see you in these these the Lake Tahoe celebrity events, man. You know, yeah. Roy Green gets in there. Yeah. I, I see a lot of guys in there that can't play, and I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> it must be they must be they must know somebody that I don't know, but it's cool. I get listen. I get to play enough, and I love the game. So, even if I'm playing in my backyard, I'm happy. All right, Mike. Always a pleasure, man. Let's uh, touch base down the road. I haven't seen you in a while, so let's uh, let's hook it up. Sounds good, Michael. All right, man. The great Mike Quick. It's the Mike Masinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty. Thanks so much to Mike Quick. Always uh, nice to talk to Mike. Uh, a real good guy. Uh, but now it's time for Mike Unleashed. This is where. I kind of go off on a certain subject. You never know what I'm going to discuss. The stuff that's in my head pops out of nowhere. But uh, since we just had a Super Bowl, let's start Mike Unleashed uh, with the Super Bowl. Now, the Super Bowl was widely watched. It was, um, from what I can see, uh, the third most watched program uh, in television history. And uh, that includes, like, the match finale and all that stuff. It was uh, the second most watched Super Bowl. Uh, 113 million people watched this game, which is, uh, you know, that that's a feather in the cap of both those teams, especially the Philadelphia Eagles. And people were that interested to watch the, the, the upstar Philadelphia Eagles against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, uh, I was reading some uh, stories about how in America we all get dazzled by the numbers uh, of the people that watch the Super Bowl. It's a, it's a major event in this country. But when you compare it to the World Cup, it's really interesting. Uh, 113 million people watch the Super Bowl. The World Cup gets 1.5 billion viewers. <laughs> All right? Now, uh, there, there's a lot of reasons for that. Because the rest of the world is interested in soccer. We're not. We, we're interested in our little sports. The rest of the world goes soccer. So 1.5 billion people watch the uh the the uh world cup uh, as opposed to 113 million for uh the super bowl so let's let's break it down uh the u.s 113 million watch the super bowl globally 40 million which is still pretty good globally watch the super bowl the world cup 28.5 million watched it here and 1.5 billion Watched it worldwide. All right. So we're never going to make the Super Bowl as big as the World Cup. And there's reasons for that. I mean, the World Cup is the, the cup for the world. We have our little little fiefdom here with our little American football, American baseball, and all that stuff. And we enjoy it. But, uh, you know, people uh, on the other side of the world don't really care that much about our damn Super Bowl. But we do. And because we do, there's a lot of fanfare that comes with the Super Bowl. I found it also interesting that the halftime show Rihanna, um, actually the audience increased for the halftime show. So in other words, the, the, the people, the, the football thing was one thing. Oh, Rihanna's on TV. Let's flock to the television. And so at, at halftime, more people tuned into the Super Bowl to watch Rihanna 
than the actual game, uh, which is interesting. And Rihanna has that kind of clout. I, and I find it interesting. You see, I, I don't do a lot of pop music things. So I don't, I mean, I know of Rihanna and I know of a couple of her songs. I don't know that she has that, that worldwide appeal like uh, this proves. Um, so um, while I'm watching the show, I thought it was an okay show. I didn't think it was as dazzling as some other shows. And, and she did, uh, she went on over, by the way, on a number of songs. She clipped into uh, 12 or 13 songs. And I think the over-under was nine and a half. So if you had the over-under, you had the over on the songs, you want some cash there. Uh, and Rihanna also showed that she's, uh, she's prego again. Uh, she did the show pregnant. And of course, the, she, uh, her mate is uh, ASAP Rocky. Uh, Darren, were you aware of that? I'm sorry, Rocky Balboa. Who? Who's her? Who's her? ASAP Rocky, not Rocky Balboa. Rapper ASAP yeah, Rocky is her mate. All, all due respect, that's not really my genre of music. Uh, that's not no. your genre of music. It's not my genre. Not, you I'm know not, of I'm Rihanna, not, though, right? Oh, of course I know Rihanna. Okay. But, I mean, the, the 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 younger music is not. I'm 48. You would think I was 68 when it comes when I talk yeah, about but, music. Yeah, but you know, you, your, your musical tastes are very primitive. I, I'm totally disappointed that you don't know <laughs> other genres that actually exist. All right? But, uh, but let me ask you this. Does your wife yeah. enjoy Rihanna? Yeah. So during the halftime show, my daughters and my wife and uh, – and, you know, and everyone else, uh, I was on the back deck with my, a couple of cousins enjoying a nice halftime cigar and a good glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no interest in the halftime shows. I never do. But, yes, my wife and my both my daughters were very excited for Rihanna. Okay. Well, then there you go. I, and listen, she's yeah. a wonderful performer. She's, oh, she's a beautiful she woman with, with hypnotic yeah. eyes. And, uh, you know, those eyes scare some people. They're so hypnotic. Uh, but... And she's had a checkered uh, romantic history, but she seems to be settled down with ASAP Rocky. So you better familiarize yourself with ASAP Rocky. I mean, it's very nice. It's 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 a nice thing for ASAP is his first name. It's a dollar sign S A P Rocky. Come on, man, let's go. All right, all right. I'll get on top. I'll pick up a couple of his albums. Let's get it together here. Now, have you have you seen the the, the commercial with? Uh, I'm in the Caribbean right now, so I'm sure I'll be hearing lots of Rihanna music for the next few days, right? Like, where island is she from? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's move on with the Rihanna thing. As I, I was noticing, I'm going. She can't be singing live. She can't be. Uh, you know, the, the production, the whole bit. It's so choreographed that she can't be singing live. And but what I found out was that 80% of her performance was lip sync. Do you have a problem with that? Uh, no, because I know how that uh, that operation works and that halftime show works. First of all, only 30, maybe 40% of the stadium uh, live can actually hear uh, the performance for a Super Bowl halftime show, which is why they bring a lot of people down onto the field a lot of times for those performances because the way that the setup is done – uh, that they just the entire stadium can't possibly hear because it would it would, it would just mess up the TV broadcast as well. So uh-huh. that I did know. So but they almost have to lip sync because of that. But I did I did read that uh, she did probably more ac- actual singing than most acts do, and okay. I think that was one of the things one of her stipulations. It was important to her to do that. Okay, uh, all right. Uh, I respect that, and I have no problem with the lip syncing only because nobody could hear it anyway. <laughs> they can't just uh, the way the setup is down at the stadium that's just the way the uh the all the, uh what do you call it the acoustics work okay so um last thing on this rihanna thing they, they of course bring that big stage out there right and uh apparently it made a bad field even worse because it's so immense and uh it it, it does it does nothing for for the football field uh i have a problem with that i i, I don't want the football field to be sacrificed uh, for the, the benefit of a halftime show. But that that's the, you know, football seems, in the Super Bowl, football seems to be the, the last thing they worry about. And it was also too much damn pain on, there was too much damn pain on the field. Enough with the pain on the field, all right? Yeah. it's the, the Super Bowl is an event. It's not, the game itself takes a backseat to all the other bullshit that goes around the actual game, <laughs> which is why you and I have always consistently said, 
AFC NFC Championship Day or Championship Sunday is the bigger football event than the Super Bowl itself. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, let's move on with the other parts of the Super Bowl that we all flock to, or we all, well, a lot of us do. I do. I I enjoy now. This time, I was zeroed in on doing a post game show, so I didn't pay as much attention to the commercials as I normally do. But I always go to USA Today because they do something called an ad meter, where they actually rate the commercials with a with an audience and they they tabulate the results. So uh, for the people that watch the commercials, you had your own personal favorites. Here were the top ten ranked commercials and Darren I don't know if you even paid that much attention to it but let's start with number 10 it was the workday commercial Rockstar cast of legendary rockers Ozzy Gary Clark Jr. Joan Jett Billy Idol Paul Stanley uh they you know doing their best to remind co-workers that they are in fact not rock stars contrary to the common labeling around the office any thoughts on that uh it's clever I saw it after the fact um but no, again, uh-huh. this, the commercials. I get, I get aggravated because again, we're talking about the commercials here. Yeah, I, I, and I think it's so, so, so much a part of things that uh, that we're going to continue the discussion. Number nine, Disney, Disney one hundred special look, hundred anniversary, uh, ninety second montage, took you down memory lane. So uh, you know, there you go. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that? I like it. I like nostalgia. Okay. The, the number eight was the Jesus commercial. He gets us. Be childlike. He does. <laughs> All right. He does get us. All right. Number seven was the T-Mobile commercial, Neighborly, with Zach Braff and Donald Faison and John Travolta, uh, Neighborhood Sing-Along, uh, the uh, uh, reimagined lyrics from Summer Nights, mixing with a little nostalgia, and uh, it was set in, in pop culture, but yeah, the Olivia Newton John, uh, the whole bit, Travolta's lines in the song matched perfectly. The, did you like that? I asked, that's one I actually did see and thought was was clever. I like that one. Yes. Okay. Number six, Bud Light. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Miles Teller, his wife Keely, and their dog Bugsy. Uh, uh, <laughs> No, that does not. Number five, Popcorners, Breaking Good, the Breaking Bad reunion, Walter White, Jesse Pinkman, and Tuco, uh, the Frito-Lay Popcorners, uh, directed by Vince Gilligan, who did direct, (laughs) of course, the uh, Breaking Bad. I like the concept, like the idea. Didn't see it live, so it after the fact, but a good concept. All right, let's go number four. Dunkin' Drive Through. A lot of people like this. Starring Ben Affleck. Yeah. Ben working the Dunkin' uh, Dunkin' Donuts Drive Through, and Jennifer Lopez comes through. Oh. Yeah, I, I, that's that was funny. Uh, anytime you can kind of dig. First of all, I love the Boston accent. It's one of the things where I'll drive my wife. You know Maria well. I walk around the house and just talking a Boston accent all goddamn day, and she drives her nuts. But yeah, I love so anything that pokes fun uh, at Boston. And uh, and Ben uh, taking on that role, I did. So yeah, that, I like that one. Okay, uh, let's go now to number three, Amazon saving Sawyer. Uh, the Amazon uh, ad took fans on a relatable journey, highlighting the upsides of having a dog during the stay-at-home pandemic times to the dance downside of when families started going back to work or heading out for a trip. I didn't see it, but oh, you can't go wrong with that with the dogs. I know. I love that idea. It's so great. Um, you know, you and I are both big time dog guys. So, uh, you know, it's absolutely all in on that. Concept. Okay. NFL number two, the NFL commercial run with it. Inspirational spot featuring flag football star, Diana Flores. And, uh, what's the it's simple sideline interview by Aaron Andrews turns into a, an all out game of chase. With Tam Hayward, Aiden Hutchinson, Sauce Gardner, Jalen Ramsey, and even her mom in pursuit. Uh, I did not see it. I saw it after the fact. I, I you know, she's a she's a, I, I I like promoting her. She's a nice old face, old marketing uh, that the league does. I think a good. Uh, it was a good concept. I like a spotlight on someone like her who's who's not a, con, a conventional marketing or you know uh, something associated with the nfl so well done yes well by the way uh uh aaron andrews looked uh, spectacular 
uh, during that. You've uh, always been an Aaron Andrews guy. Yeah, well, she listens. She uh, delivers year after year. Um, so uh, <laughs> no, I don't like the fact that she gets so chummy and hugs players. I, I, I could do yeah. without that. Uh, but yeah, I thought uh, she was solid. Of course, the number one ad, the farmer's dog forever. Um, yeah, 35 years after Dana Carvey, John Lovitz uh, captured the, the first USA Today ad meter ratings win. Bear the dog and his owner make history here. The farmer's dog, uh, it is a journey through life, took the top spot. How you feeling about that one? Always, again, dog, dog right there. That's all I need is a good dog commercial. And I'm all in. So, yes, well-deserved. All right. That'll do it for Mike Unleashed. Kind of a timid, mild Mike Unleashed today. Nothing overly aggravating as we put a cap on the Super Bowl. All right. You know what that means, then? It's time for three questions for Mikey Miss, Mike. All right? Here we go. The first question tonight. Uh, We shot a weather balloon down not too long ago. Chinese weather balloon, which sent it sort of opened up the realm of what we could shoot down and look after and kind of uh, be more be more defensive about for the U.S. military. There have been a three or four one shot down over in the past week and a half. Something shot down over Alaska, one over Canada, one over Lake Huron. Mike, I got to ask you, are we alone in the universe with everyone thinking these might be alien aircraft? <laughs> are we what? Are we alone in the universe? Uh, I I have always believed that we were. You know, it's funny. Uh, there there are so many people that believe that there's life out there somewhere, and I'm thinking to myself, well, well, however the world was created, why didn't the Earth just become the lucky planet? You know, like why, like like if it was God that created the universe, why didn't say, okay, this planet's going to have people? <laughs> like you know, I like I I don't understand. Uh, this notion that there's life elsewhere on these other planets. Maybe there's not. Maybe we just got caught a break. I I completely agree. Why is it a foregone conclusion that there has to be life on other planets? Yeah, and and I also don't believe that there's, like, you come back as a a different, in a different life. Like, I don't, what makes sense about that? If you're dead, maybe you just die. Maybe you don't come back. Why? Like, why would you have to come back? Is there is there a lack of of people that you can recreate? Right. Like people people are born all the time. Why do people have to come back in another lifetime? <laughs> all right. That's getting a little too philosophical for you and I. Yeah. All, all right. right. Question number one. Question number two, Mike. Right now, I'm down here on vacation. I am in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. What musically? What is a bigger island, Caribbean island staple? Jimmy Buffett or Bob Marley? Oh, it's it's definitely um, Marley. I mean, you get to the islands, it's more Marley than Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett is Florida. All right, that's fair enough. Although Buffett has, you know, he's got a couple island themed, particular island themed stuff. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah he's. he's I, I think I think of Florida when I think of him. I think of uh, Marley when I think of the islands. Go. All right. Question number three, Mike. Again, I'm in Punta Cana. I'm in a nice resort. Where am I going today? Am I going to the beach or am I going to the pool? Um, you're going to the pool. Yeah. All right. I was thinking beach, but I guess I'm yeah. going pool now. Oh, you are? Well, I yeah, I don't see. I I don't know. I, I'm thinking you were maybe you were at the beach yesterday. You go pool today. Didn't get into late yesterday. All right. Well, then you definitely have to go to the beach. You have to get to the blue water. Right. Get into the turquoise water down here. Man. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's three questions. Three silly questions from Mikey Miss. All right. It's time for my parting shot. All right. So let me let me start out uh, uh, my parting shot with uh, one uh, um, monoculture thing and one sports thing. So let's start with the monoculture thing. Raquel Welsh passed away. Yesterday, Hollywood sex symbol for a really long time died at age 82. And of course, uh, if you go back with uh, Raquel Welsh, um, it, Men's Health in 2015 uh, named her uh, the, the number two hottest woman of all time. Now, of course, Raquel Welsh started out and, and she blasted on the scene with some older movies that people may not have seen. Uh, like she uh, was in the 1966 movie Fantastic Voyage, which is a, uh, uh, a, a sci-fi thing where you go through the bloodstream of a human being and you're on this uh, this this mission to 
to to find what's wrong in the human body and you shrink your seeds they shrink these humans down and that was a problem. and then she followed that up with uh, the movie one million years bc where she was clad in uh probably 99 percent of the movie with a brown doe skin bikini and uh that i believe was the last poster that uh, Andy Dufresne put on his wall in uh, Shawshank Redemption. It's a classic poster of Raquel Welsh. Um, and but for me, uh, it's into the modern era. Darren, I'll ask you this question: What famous Seinfeld episode was Raquel Welsh in? Uh that's the, uh, that she wouldn't swing her arms. She's like uh, she walked. That's correct. Right. <laughs> She danced without swinging her arms in a Broadway play, and the producers sent Kramer in to tell her to swing her arms, and she beat his ass. There's a picture I saw of her this morning from Hanny Calder, 1971, Mike. I'm going to send you this picture. First of all, it's kind of frightening because she looks a lot like Maria uh, when she's younger. This picture, she's just absolutely gorgeous. She really is. I feel like they're just women anymore. They all want to be skinny, puny little rails. Uh, this, not that she's big, not at all, but she's just the, the absolutely gorgeous woman. The curves. No, I'm telling you, she is uh, whatever. She doesn't get enough fanfare, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely gorgeous woman, and okay. never smoke her uh, <laughs> Now I started to think about my hottest women of all time. As you go back in time, uh, you know, like classics, classic beauties. So uh, I, I would obviously put Raquel Welch on that, even though I was kind of young when she was in her heyday. But uh, uh, I, it, it, I, I find it hard. Like, in her day when she first came onto the scene, Michelle Pfeiffer, just absolutely spectacular in my book, right? And, and then if you remember how Bo Derek came onto the scene. <laughs> Ten. In the movie Ten, right? She would be an old time classic with Dudley. And Moore. I always go with the uh, what's that? With Dudley Moore, right? Wasn't Dudley yes. Moore? Yeah, yeah Ten with uh, yeah the movie Ten with Dudley Moore. It's a classic when she's running out of the the surf, the, the whole bit. And and I would always go. And I don't know if, if people put this. The Tyra Banks to me was in it when like she was in that model day. Oh my god, dude. So there are three classics for me that I just thought off the top of my head. And many people that are listening to this podcast can probably come up with their own choices as well. We ought to put, we ought to do that uh, when there's less to talk about here. In the we'll do it later. Yeah, yeah cl- classic, beautiful ladies that burst into the scene. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, my, my final uh, parting shot today is a sports thing. You know, I've been watching Villanova basketball. They're having a really disappointing down year. Uh, and there are two questions that come to mind. Uh, the new coach who was selected, can he actually coach? I haven't figured out whether he can or not uh, because they're having a worse season than they should have uh, because they have a guy on their team as a freshman who's uh, in, in all the mock drafts seems to be a top seven pick in the NBA. And I'm starting to think that if I coached a guy like that, I knew he's going to be there for one year. Would I not maximize his potential? I do not understand how you have a guy like that and play this concept called Villanova basketball, where it's pretty guard oriented and they play a certain way like they played under Jay Wright. Well, it was very successful under Jay Wright. Maybe it's not successful under a new coach. If I'm a new coach and I got a kid that's supposedly a top seven pick in the NBA draft, I play my offense through that kid. If you see Cam Whitmore, he's a stout 6'7", six, 6'8", six, forward type with uh, ball handling skills. I don't understand why they don't post him up and run the offense around him. And, and I question why nobody has written about this this year. Uh, this is, a to me, a story for the people that cover college basketball in this town or even columnists. Cam Whitmore is supposed to be like one of the highest rated recruits that any Philadelphia college has ever gotten, including Villanova. He is really underachieving. What's the problem? Is he overrated or are they not using him properly? Wouldn't you like to read that story? That's a good story. I need to know that. I like that. It's been ignored all year long, and the season now is going into March Madness, and Villanova is probably not going to make the tournament, which is really shocking. Yeah. But anyway. That's my parting shot for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast as we 
concluded our Eagle season. The focus next week, starting next week, will be on your Philadelphia 76ers who beat the Cleveland Cavaliers last night and whether they're good enough to, to get past the Bostons and the Milwaukee's uh, in this conference to actually get to an NBA final. We'll start unleashing our, 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 uh, our views on the 76ers and also spring training. All the Phillies are going to be starting soon, so we'll be getting into that. Again, thanks to the people at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app. I'm telling you, college basketball, you see lines. You got to recognize the Mike Missanelli. The line's telling me something concept, and you can do it because I put the tweets out there on the games that I like on my Bet Rivers app. You can get in touch with me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. You can check me out on Twitter at MikeMiss25. And uh, I guess that's about it. Uh, enjoy your vacation in Punta Cana. Uh, I'll enjoy my vacation here in dark, uh, uh, gray, uh, lower Marion Township today where it's supposed to be 80. Hold on. It's like 65 degrees at home. I'm a little upset, actually. It was 65 degrees yesterday, and I played golf. It's not 65 degrees today. In fact, it's supposed to there's a 70, 80 percent chance of rain over the next couple of days. Well, you know, listen, it's 82 and sunny down here in the Dominican Republic. I'm scouting shortstops down here for you. Yeah, I, I know it's 82 and sunny. Yeah, it's 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 58 right now. So okay, all right. It's a, all right, but there's no sun out, so whatever. All right, everybody, have a great afternoon. We will check you out next Tuesday with our next podcast. We will really start to focus on many other things. So thanks for listening. This is Mikey Miss. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.